holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you're well. Uh, I certainly hope you're better than I am. It's uh, 6.11 a.m. on Friday morning as I'm recording this. I got back from Barcelona last night about 5 to 1 in the morning after a very, very Long day, having had to vacate the apartment we were in at about 11 o'clock in the morning. We did some walking around and had a couple of beers and some food and just generally hanging out. But uh, a flight which was supposed to take off around 8 o'clock didn't take off until about half 10. So there was a a lot of hanging around the airport. Um, And I think uh, a Catalan man has given me some kind of plague. Now, there is, it has to be said, some residual damage to my voice and what have you from, you know, being a football and drinking for a few days and shouting a lot at the football and at the referee and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But yesterday, sitting in a bar, um, there were tapas on the bar. A man came behind me uh, to have a look at what those tapas were and basically coughed straight into my face. I could feel bits of it go into my eye and my nose and mouth. And it was disgusting. And I think that man has given me some kind of plague or lurgy, which got worse and worse on the plane because of the um, the dry air, the recycled air in the plane and uh, uh, a cough. And the side of my head hurts really quite a lot. Uh, was it worth it? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. Football-wise, of course, not the greatest of trips, but still a couple of little things to be encouraged about. And nobody was hugely disappointed uh, because of the expectations. You know, we weren't going out there really expecting to win. We were going out there expecting to eat lots of ham, drink lots of beer, and tapas, and all those kind of things. And uh, you could say in that regard... It was very much mission accomplished. However, here I am at uh, 6.13 a.m. having to do a podcast. Now, I've been doing this long enough to know that uh, coming back this morning, I wasn't going to be able to do a podcast. Or coming back late last night, I wasn't necessarily going to be able to do a uh, proper sit-down podcast the way that you would know it. So I had to sort of think outside the box, if you like, or think of, you know, whatever. I had to think of other stuff to do. So I did other stuff 
And this is what this podcast is going to be. Basically, we're going to break it into two parts. In the second part of this show, we're having a bit of a, a crossover, which is quite cool. You might remember uh, last year at the Everton game, I was there and I was sitting behind the NBC commentators. And, um, you know, when I'm at the football, I like to, I like to shout about things and shout about stuff, what have you. And they asked me if I very kindly stopped swearing, which I did, but I still kept shouting stuff, and it ended up on this NBC show called Men in Blazers. It's a podcast and a TV show on NBC, and they replayed some of the best moments of, of that particular game, uh, the Arsenal-Everton game and some of the shouting that, that we were doing. But one of the guys, Roger Bennett, he is a big Everton fan. So uh, earlier in the week, when my voice was not completely and utterly bollocksed, uh, I spoke with him about uh, the Men in Blazers, about the TV show, about football in the USA, uh, about what they do, about Everton, about Arsenal. So I have a chat with him a bit later on, uh, and that's good. So hopefully you will, uh, you'll enjoy that. And uh, the other part was I brought a little recorder with me to Spain, and I recorded bits and pieces throughout the trip. And that is the first part of our show, a sort of a, a look, at an away trip, European away trip from the point of view of somebody who's going around carrying a recorder in their pocket. I don't know if it's any good or not. I sort of put it together last night uh, while the plane was delayed and I was drinking some wine because I couldn't drink any more beer. At that point, I just was unable, physically unable to drink beer. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer, I think it's um, like uh, one of those restaurant challenges things you got to eat the biggest steak that you can possibly eat was he a truck driver or something in this one or he takes uh some guy dies anyway but anyway the main point is that homer's trying to eat a steak an enormous enormous steak and he's so full that he's popping a bit of meat in his mouth and trying to eat it and just goes pops back out puts it back in out of pops again and that was the way i felt about beer last night that it would just sort of go in and it would come back out. Not in any get sick way. I was just too full of beer. I had had too much beer. There is such a thing. There is such a thing. So, look, that's what we're going to do. This is going to be the first part of the show. This is an away trip to Barcelona in which we got beaten 3-1. But nevertheless, we had a good time because, uh, you know, that's what you do at the football. So let's do that part. I'm going to stop talking now. It's 6.17 a.m. on Friday morning. I'm fucking knackered. I am exhausted. And I don't feel very well. But a podcast has to happen, right? We have to do the podcast. I did ask on Twitter last night, jokingly, people don't really want a podcast, do they? And some people were so nice. I said, no, come on, man. You could take a day off here. We won't hold it against you. Some people said, yes, podcast now. But some people were just really nice. So thank you for that. And this podcast then is especially for you and for the uh, the gentleman of the trip. Uh, let's do it again. But not right away. Let's wait a while. Okay. Here we go. Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, 
Arsecast on the road, right? Tuesday afternoon, we're having a small knob. <laughs> um, predictions? We're going to get rumped. 2-0. Um, I think Arsenal 1-0. All right. See how crazy those turn out to be. <laughs> All right, Tuesday night in Barcelona. We're sitting in a bar drinking Estrellas. We need more predictions from Arsenal fans who are here. Come on, tell me. Prediction. Um, glorious defeat, 1-0. 1-0 victory. Come on. 14-0 uh, Barcelona. <laughs> but realistically, 12? If we can keep it at 12, I think that's a good day. <laughs> we need your prediction for tomorrow night. I, I'm going for a 2-1 win, win, Dos. 2-1 win, Arsenal. Have you drunk all of those beers? Or? <laughs> Killian, come on, tell me. One each. <laughs> One each. All right. We'll see more predictions. It's Tuesday. We're drinking beer. We'll see what happens. No, but. Oh, no. So now it's Wednesday morning. Yeah, it's today. It's no, today. No, I mean, no, I mean. Are we going to win? 3-1 Arsenal. You haven't even had much to drink. Well, back two goals. And. For Milan, own goal? No, one of the centre backs will score from a header from a corner. Gabriel. Gabriel. All right. Day of the game. Walking uh, down by the harbour here in Barcelona. Sun is shining. People are trying to uh, sell selfie sticks. We don't want to buy selfie sticks. We're probably going to get a beer. Think about what's going to happen later on. There were some drunken predictions of an Arsenal win last night. I'm not sure in this, uh, I won't say cold light, this warm light of day, that those predictions are going to come true. But you never know. You never know. Apart from the fact we know, you, you never know. There's some dudes on segways over there, which reminds me of that wonderful, uh, wonderful song by chimpanzee riding on a Segway so I might put that in the podcast more later Plaza Royale, it's uh, half past four. Arsenal fans congregating in uh, Plaza Royale singing songs. <laughs> Atmosphere building ahead of what's going to be uh, a big, huge game. It's now half four, so there's what? Four hours and a bit to kick off. Check back in later. Two hours to kick off, and we're sitting outside a kebab place 
near the stadium and it is fucking pissing with rain. Pissing with rain. So uh, we're going to have a beer here and see if it... Uh, <laughs> see if it stops. Hopefully it'll stop. Because otherwise this is going to be an even more unpleasant evening than we fear. Nearly an hour to kick off. We're sitting outside. The same kebab shop. It's still raining. And we're talking about elephants' cocks. That is where... And Giroud. And wearing bin bags. His, and, yeah, wearing bin bags, talking about elephant cocks. What, what the hell is the rest of this night going to be like? It's dark, it's raining, and you still have sunglasses on. I still got sunglasses on, which I'm feeling were unnecessary at this point. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. I'm gonna cut off. Few options, eh? All right, we just we just got the team. We just got the team. So it's Ospina, Ballerin, Castellani, Gabriel, Monreal, El Neni, Flamini, Uwobi, Ozil, Alexis, Welbeck. What do you reckon? Shocked. Shocked. A what? Uwobi and just a Flamini selection. Flamini is the biggest one. Fl- Flamini over Cockerland, like. Yeah, I don't know if he's punishing Cockerland for the Spurs game. Wow, OK. Right, just about an hour to kick off, and it's, uh, it's still raining. And uh, now it's really interesting. Well, we're going right. to get rumped, but we're going to get rumped in a different way. <laughs> we're in the stadium. It's pissing rain. They're just uh, introducing the teams doesn't look like any of the Barcelona fans have buttered their whole coming because it's fucking pissing rain. The stadium is like one third full. Most of the Barcelona end is empty. Or end, I say. We're in a small part, but the rest of the stadium is pretty much empty at this point, and there's just four minutes to kick off. And uh, here we are. It's an odd Arsenal team. Let's do it. Come on. Teams are coming out. Here come the teams. Still no Barcelona fans in the stadium. They're just not into it, obviously. Can't do a wet, rainy night in Barcelona. Time. Barcelona won Arsenal nil. The uh, seven or eight Barcelona fans that are here this evening are, have obviously enjoyed what's gone on in that first half. Rain is still, still raining. Uh, we'll see what the second half brings. Coquelin having a serious warm up at halftime because he only came on just before the halftime break, doing a lot of stretching, stretching out those uh, groins and calves. <laughs> stretching, stretching that cock. <laughs> and his dangleberry. Well, that would explain why he wasn't in the 
Starting 11. Oh, God, someone farted. What was that? Who did that? Oh, my God, shit. Here are the teams back. Arsenal are coming back out. Come on, you gunners! Come on! It's 1-1. Five minutes into the second half, Mohamed Elneny, I think, has scored. It was Elneny, right? Mohamed Elneny scores his first Arsenal goal. It's 1-1. Elneny! Elneny! That's all right. 19 minutes into the second half. I'm going to kick it off down there. And, uh, that goal was, was it Luis Suarez just scored that? Really was a very, very good goal. Brilliant finish. The eight or nine Barcelona fans that are here in the stadium really, uh, really seem to enjoy that one. The rest of them are either at home, out of the rain or something, I don't know. 2-1 Barcelona. A couple of minutes to go, 3-1 Barcelona. Mistakes from Arsenal. A goal from Lionel Messi. And it's still pissing rain and it's fucking miserable. Still, the uh, 9 or 10 Barcelona fans that are in the stadium really enjoyed that Messi goal. Good for them. Full time, Barcelona 3, Arsenal 1. Barcelona playing their fucking shit song. Six or seven Barcelona fans who are left in the stadium are, are enjoying it. Just looking to see uh, how the Arsenal players are going to do this. Mesodoza went straight off the pitch down the tunnel. The rest of the players coming over to, uh, to say hi to the fans. So you can hear that. And there's a pitch invader and two security guards have just fucking flattened him. <laughs> the cunt. Oh, they're lifting him up by his legs. Still the wisdom. Yeah, ah, that was much less exciting than it could have been. Anyway, that is the end of this um, stadium experience. My feet are wet. It's 3-1 to Barcelona. Beer? Beer! It's half, half 12. We're in a bar. We got the beer. Drink. We're in the black sheep. Trams. Trams. Yeah. Getting out of the, the new camp is fucking terrible. It's a shit fucking stadium to get out of. It really fucking is. There's no roof. We got pissed on. And Suarez shins, shins in a fucking fluky goal. No way did he mean that. I meant it. But we have beer, and we might get more beer. I think that is in order. Did they get rum? It is safe. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all of you. We're all Irish now. Uh, yeah, do I want some beer? Yeah, sure. It's quarter past three on uh, Thursday. It's Thursday today, St. Patrick's Day. Everyone back in Ireland having a good time, getting sick on each other, wading through urine. Sadly for us, we're sitting in a square.
in Barcelona having some beer. Recovery beer or making it all worse beer. I'm not quite sure what kind of beer it is yet. But look, here we are. There's only three of us left. I'm going to go buy some ham now in a few minutes' time. Contemplate life. Arsenal losing last night and, and buy ham. We've eaten some squid. It was quite squiddy, as squid goes. And I think we've got to head towards the airport at some point for a flight this evening. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the remnants of a European tour. Making beautiful music. By blowing into a hole. And if you knew the gentleman I was talking about, you, you, you don't want any more details than that. I'm going to record a bit in a while. But for now, we leave him and his starfish to one side. It's uh, ten past seven on Thursday evening. We're sitting in Barcelona Airport having our... Uh, second bottle of wine because our flight that was supposed to be taking off at 8 o'clock has now been delayed till somewhere around 10 o'clock possibly so uh, we don't have any choice other than to sit here and uh, drink Rioja we could complain but it also could be worse it could be worse What an atmosphere. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Where are my keys? It's five to one in the morning. My voice is gone. I'm just getting home. Oh, that's a long day. Big delay in Barcelona. But we're back. I've got too many fucking keys. Ah, and the key is in the back of the door, and I can't open it. I'm gonna have to ring the doorbell, and here comes the barking. Hello, Archer. Hello. I can't get in. <laughs> I better try and ring. Barcelona! We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. 
Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. There you go. That was a trip to Barcelona to play Barcelona, which, um, well, you know, the football aside, these things are always uh, these things are always good. I liked El Nani's goal, and I liked Iwobi. That was good. I enjoyed that. A couple of good saves by Ospina. But the match experience, that stadium, hailed throughout the world as one of the greatest stadiums. That's terrible. It really is a bit of a, it's just not great. It's fine if the sun is shining, but when it's pissing out of the heavens, you're standing there soaked with your feet wet, wearing a poncho, and then they keep you in the ground, then they funnel all the Arsenal fans down two tiny little stairwells, make you like circumnavigate the stadium about eight times before you can get out, and then pour you all into one metro station where, you know, all it would take is for one small little incident and everybody's getting crushed to death. You know, you can live without that part of it, I have to say. Maybe it's all just part of the the fabric of life or something. I'm very tired. It's 6.41 a.m. now. Um, I'm wrecked. But anyway, let's do the other part of the show, will we? i got to try and make myself sound a bit more up for this. This was recorded uh, earlier in the week, as I said, when my voice was not afflicted by everything that went on over the, the last few days, the shouting and the drinking and the carousing and the shouting at the referee. I did quite a lot of shouting at the referee. I do that a lot, and that is how I ended up on the Men in Blazers TV show. Um, which is co-hosted by Roger Bennett. As I said, he is a big Everton fan, so given that we're playing Everton at 12.45 tomorrow, nice uh, nice early start, isn't it? After a, an away day in Europe, just what you need. But I, I wanted to chat to Roger uh, about the men in... Uh, I was going to say men in black. That would be quite cool if they were also football alien-seeking guys. But how would we know they'd have that pen? They'd just go... We wouldn't know, but he's not one of the men in black. He is one of the men in blazers. Uh, as I said, massively popular podcast and TV show on NBC. It was uh, an absolute pleasure to have him on. He gave me some time out of a, a very busy schedule, so I appreciate that a great deal. So let's do it. Let's have this uh, Ars Blog Men in Blazers crossover. <laughs> Okay, joining me now on the Arsecast, ahead of an Arsenal-Everton fixture this weekend, an Everton fan, somebody uh, who you would consider a special guest if you're in the USA. Maybe in the in the UK, people don't know Roger Bennett quite as much, but one half of Men in Blazers, podcast and TV show, and big Everton fan. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, Andrew, it is great <laughs> to be with you. Your, your, your show, on which I have featured um, unwittingly... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I can remember the face perfectly of the 
stricken, panic-stricken production assistant turned around to me and said, can you please stop swearing? We've got yeah. we've got it going on here. And then obviously... You're referring to the moment in which you, Andrew, became a cult hero <laughs> here in the United States of America back last season. The Emirates, as you know well, can be a quiet venue. Mm. But somehow, whenever NBC go to cover a game there, you are sat right behind the commentator, the great Arlo White. Well, it's only... Go on. The whole game, you are you're just like as Matthew Flamini slices one of his opponent's knees open. You're just there screaming referee. I'm a third co-commentator. Well, well, it's only it's only ever happened once. I, you know, it's the it's the uh, it's the proximity of the commentator to, uh, <laughs> to to where I was sitting that day, and it was I think an Everton game. Actually, it was. It uh, was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was an Everton game, and literally every time an <laughs> Arsenal player would run over would run over one of the poor, fragile, slightly apathetic Everton players. You'd be there just screaming blue murder. And it could have been, it was only once, Andrew. But the amazing thing is, every time now at any game, the microphones pick up a fan. And it could be a screaming scouser in Liverpool or like a shrieking female Sunderland fan. <laughs> all the Americans immediately tweet us that, oh, ass blogs at the game, because all <laughs> you Europeans sound the same to Americans. Absolutely. Must be the creative swearing. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> we'll get into... Fantastic performance. Yeah, it was one of my proudest moments, actually, I have to say, to, uh, to have broadcast uh, uh, across the US without any real um, effort on my part. You know, that was the break I was looking for my whole career, but... It's one of the most passionate performances we've seen in a long time at the Emirates. So, look, tell us a little bit about Men in Blazers and and how it got started, because, um, you know, obviously it's hugely popular now and it's coincided with the rise in popularity of of football in the US as well, which is fantastic. And I've experienced it firsthand being over there when Arsenal were playing in in 2014 against New York Red Bulls, playing and losing to New York Red Bulls in typical Arsenal fashion. But tell us a little bit about how the podcast and, and the TV show came to be i mean simply put men and blazers is probably the worst thing to happen to football in america since josie altador <laughs> or at least we, we like to think so we are two uh gentlemen who've been in america for a long time and we have witnessed the, the rise of football as they call it here soccer um which since i've been here really since 1994 the world cup was over here mm. it's been long predicted to be the sport of the future we always joke America's sport of the future as it has been since 1972. Uh, but having been here over the course of two decades, we, we've been witness to the inexorable rise of the sport and really great beneficiaries of, of the, the, the incredible popularity, particularly since 2010 World Cup mm. uh, for a variety of different reasons, just the, the storylines of the Premier League, the quality of the broadcast, the amount of football extremely... Um, kind of fantastic football that's now available here that wasn't. Uh, there's more football broadcast in America over the weekends than I think there is even in England. Yeah, uh, We can see every Premier League game, no matter which teams are playing. And Americans have, uh, largely, I think, due to the popularity of the EA Sports FIFA franchise, which is wildly popular here, has kind of been the silent hand that's grown the game uh, amongst the young generation. Uh, we cover the football highlights on a weekly basis over here, and we're just generally beneficiaries of the fact that in America uh, they still allow bald men to be on television, <laughs> which is which is what makes this such a fantastic uh, country. And as the the game has become more popular, and NBC over here uh, with Rebecca Lowe, uh, ex of your shores, and, and a host of others have done such a fantastic job 
are kind of broadcasting it and reveling in the narrative, more and more young Americans have caught on and, and we really just benefit from that. And it, it looks to me, um, because you know we don't get the show, but it looks to me from what I've seen is that you two guys have gone, hey, this is this is a, a chance to have some real fun here because, you know, there is a an element perhaps of football coverage that's a bit po-faced that takes it all a bit too seriously. And, you know, there is a place and a time for that. But at the same time, football is supposed to be something that's enjoyed. It is entertainment. Uh, and you guys seem to, like, really tap into that side of things. Yeah, I mean, being English blokes coming from Liverpool, um, Andrew, we don't really like to talk about ourselves in any way. And it is a, I mean, football is an absolute joy. Mm. Um, whether they're winning or losing, whether there's an exquisite moment like Romelu Lukaku's first goal against Chelsea, um, or whether it's um, kind of the Norwich City having an unbelievable moment to dispatch of Manchester City, the ball falling to Doran's foot and him screwing the ball uh, horrifically Why Both things are beautiful. They deserve their place in the pantheon. Um, and I think just having a place on a regular basis where Americans can revel in the, the heroes, the villains, the, the self-confident moments, the, the, the kind of uh, uh, the utter crap, uh, both the, the, just the re- reveling really the narrative that makes the English Premier League whether it's the best in the world or, or, or not is irrelevant it's mm. just reveling in the narrative that you have, have kind of uh, savoured since your birth um, that, that's something that we've been able to do here and the, and the audience is massive the audience is yeah. absolutely massive if, if um, you know if the audience is just 5% of the American sporting populace it's such an enormous sport uh, and we're doing it also at a time when it's not just that America's fallen in love with football, but the football's fallen in love with America. And the big teams, Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, um, and, and it used to be United in that, in that kind of upper echelon are all looking at America and salivating and trying to work out how to get the, their, their kind of um, share of this new, fresh, terrain which for so long has been kind of football's final frontier yeah i mean it's funny it, it, it always struck me that arsenal in particular were very slow to uh, to take up on the on the american thing it was obvious for a long time that football was was huge over there a couple of years ago we did a book uh, about the invincible season and there was a guy from the states on holidays here in ireland and he was driving around the ring of Kerry and all those beautiful places and mm. um he asked, could he come to my house to pick up a book rather than me post it to the US? And uh, he called up and we were chatting for a couple of minutes. And he said that five or six years ago, there'd be four or five of them would meet in a bar in Houston to watch the Arsenal games. Now there are 100, 150, maybe 200 for for every single game. And the birth, the explosion of that and the enthusiasm of of American fans for the game is, is absolutely infectious as well. Yeah, I mean, I did an interview with uh, Arsene Wenger uh, last summer over here uh, when, uh, when Arsenal were last over. And he said one of the uh, great learnings of the last World Cup uh, in Brazil is that he's no longer anonymous to Americans. And um, <laughs> I mean, this used to be a country where so many of the Premier League footballers would come to take a break uh, during the season. They'd come over to New York, they'd come down to Miami. Uh, and now when Arsene Wenger does come over and Arsenal are coming over, uh, for their preseason tour next summer uh, to play a couple of games, he is. I mean, he is as well known uh, on the streets of New York City as he is in uh, in certain patches of London. So all of that has changed. Arsenal are incredibly attractive, I should say, 
to the, um, this new, fresh American audience who are not tied by blood or by locale to or the, the whole kind of gaggle of Premier League teams. Mm. And Arsenal's incredible appeal that the club can capitalise from more, to be honest, with, uh, with uh, half a strategy in place is Americans really revere tradition. They really revere the kind of heritage. They also, and I don't know how to say this in political language, that is okay to Arsenal ears, the fact that they are yearning for that Premier League title uh, and have been disappointed so often, is it makes them even more appealing to many in the American mindset who don't want to jump onto the the kind of uh, the United, the Chelsea. Sure. Uh, what they what they see as a bandwagon. So there is a massive opportunity for your club here, Andrew. Mm. Uh, it is growing, and uh, you know I remember being in New York and and just having an amazing time with with Arsenal fans that had come from all over the states, not simply from from New York to to watch that game. It was incredible all the uh, the events that went on that weekend. But you talk about being uh, aligned to a football club by birth, and you're uh, from Liverpool and grew up in the 1970s and an Everton fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. uh, in the in the the era of uh, the best oh. Liverpool team ever, yeah, that certainly yeah. make that certainly gives you a grounding in how to, I guess, cope with what football can throw at you. I mean, ultimately, pain and suffering, and being able to cope with them in a stoic fashion, I think, is one of football's greatest gifts. So, at least Everton fans' greatest. I mean, before we jump into this Everton thing, I do want to warn you. Right. This is probably going to be a darker conversation than you're used to, Andrew. I hey. guess right now, <laughs> between two men whose teams have taken on naive hope, as much hope as there is stars in the sky, and found ever more creative ways to throw that hope back in our faces. I mean, really, neither of us are fans anymore. Despite the FA Cup this weekend, and Everton, thank you, God love you. We're just damaged, broken toys, the two of us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, I had to record a, a podcast uh, this morning, or we recorded last night after what happened in the Watford game. And I suppose in <sighs> some ways it, 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 it forces you to be creative, to try and explain the same thing over and over again in different ways without yeah. ever truly quite understanding what the hell is going on. I mean, we, did, we had differing fates in FA Cup play this weekend. But, I, I mean, the FA Cup is a diversion at this point. It's a trifle. It's a dietetic chocolate of football. And really, the, the, the longer stretch of this season's campaign, the, the joy that was this weekend in Everton um, beating Chelsea in such a phenomenally beautiful way, it did only make me realise that the feelings Everton fans experienced in those last 15 minutes are ones that Leicester City fans have savoured all season long in the league and ones mm. that arguably Everton should um, have savoured a lot more. This It's really been the best of times, the worst of times this season, which I guess is progress for Everton fans, but with the new owners, all kinds of new hope to be dashed. Mm, but surely the FA Cup, I mean, it's not to be sniffed at. It's still a fantastic competition, a fantastic trophy. I know all the emphasis is on the Premier League, but you know, having been at the last two finals uh, as an Arsenal fan, as invested as I am in the Premier League, you know, when you're in the final of the Cup at Wembley, it is special. So, I mean, obviously that's something you'd be looking forward to if you can get there. Yeah, I mean, I will be there. Um, and Everton fans, I, every time we get to Wembley uh, for a final or a semi-final, I always believe it may be the last time I ever get to take my kids in my lifetime. So <laughs> those opportunities have to be grabbed. But the, I mean, the big story this season is that on paper, we've had the best squad of players that the team's had since the 1980s. Those are the times I like to talk about, Andrew, more than the 1970s <laughs> that you cruelly broached at the top of this pod. It is the best squad of players on paper, but on grass, on turf, mm. uh, on the field, it's been not so much. I mean, we, we have a concept in our show 
um, sadnaps, which Arsenal fans will relate to as well as Everton fans, the unrefreshing sleep of the doomed <laughs> and the despairing that American fans take after an early morning loss. The football here yeah. is often on at 7.30 or 4.30 in the morning West Coast. And you wake up, you watch Arsenal, you watch Everton. And more often, you end up having, after watching 90 minutes of just frustration, despair and doom, just sleeping the sleep of the dead. I mean, losing to Chelsea, um, losing to, to Manchester United, um, losing to Swansea. You, you understand what I'm talking about this season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um what was I going to say to you? I've completely lost my train of thought here. Uh, I was so invested in your pain and misery there that I've gone yeah. completely... Well, uh, we, we were talking about the FA Cup, then you moved me, uh, and then I, I was trying to talk more about the season. All right. Uh, well, what, what, talk about why, why exactly it's been crap. Go on, you should edit that out. Go for it. No, I won't edit that at all. I'm going to leave that in. There's a whole thing here. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean, what, Everton under Martinez, some, like you say, I think some fantastic players. I mean, we've given you an owner. Could, could we please have Lukaku? Would that be okay? Yeah. Fair swap? You know, so funny. I was going to ask Farhad Moshiri, 49.9%, one of your rejects. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder, how much do you wish it was Cronky who'd sold his shares and headed north? Um, oh. Moshiri, God love him. Projections of money pouring down onto the streets and all of our minds. Desperate. I mean, we have a desperate ability to smother the drowning cries of all Portsmouth and Leeds fans who are trying to chat to us at this moment. Um, so we'll see exactly. You never know with a new owner what their intent is, what their their true plan is. Are they in it for the long term? Are they in it for the short term to add value to the club by solving the staging problem and then quickly flipping the club uh, and making uh, a profit? We, we, we really don't know uh, enough about what uh, the plans are and what the intentions. Uh, but God love, you know, it's progress. We have hope again. Um, as you know better than I do, it's always the hope that kills you. <laughs> um, but Roberto Martinez is a fantastic, he's an intelligent, he's a suave bloke, and I adore him. Um, but many Everton fans this season have become worried that he's really just spent the last uh, two years turning us into a more kind of hype Wigan. Yeah. Score goals for fun, and we do. We score, we score beautiful, beautiful goals. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, potent, um, potent early ball to his feet and then anything can happen. Uh, fluid passing moves prodded home by the resurgent Aaron Lennon. He has risen. <laughs> um, or, or long range strikes from Ross Barkley. But, I mean, we just let them in just as easily, especially from corners, which sometimes feel, when we can see the corner, to me, my heart feels as heavy as when, uh, as when we concede a penalty, we've given away goals so often. And Aston Villa, Norwich, Sunderland, Newcastle, and I think Bournemouth, they're the only teams that have let in more goals than Everton this season, and that is the problem. Mm. Yeah, well, look, when it comes to corners, uh, you don't have much to worry about from us uh, this weekend. <laughs> um, but isn't it, isn't it perhaps the most uh, Everton thing of all time to... To lose to West Ham the way you did, haven't been 2-0 oh. up and miss a penalty and then like oh. lose in the final 10 minutes. And oh. then the next game, you go and beat Chelsea in the cup. It's the, it must be the inconsistency that drives you mad. Yeah, and then do what against Arsenal? I mean, you may do the same as us in reverse. You may lose to Watford, beat Barcelona, uh, and then <laughs> lose to Everton uh, next weekend. I mean, we, we share a similar problem, you and I, Andrew. Our teams are too nice. Yes, we are yes. too. Not, we have conce- We have. We have. We have had teams on the floor 
at all mercy, and we never put our foot on opponent's throat. Mm. Yes. And the net effect, and I believe, is this how it's for you, Andrew? I want to know, because the second Everton score, I experienced just a nipple-tingling joy, only to realise within seconds that we've now got something to lose. Three yeah. points. Yes. And the fear kicks in immediately. Yep. When we score, when we go ahead, the fear kicks in almost immediately. I think, I believe when Alexis scored last week against Spurs, you must have loved it and then realised that at 2-2, you suddenly had something to lose, something to give away, and, it, and, and the horror kicks back in immediately. Yeah, I know that feeling really well. It's bizarre because when I'm watching the games I'm kind of working and we do the live blog on the side and we do the match reports and all that kind of stuff and you're sitting there and you go yes we're ahead that's what we wanted oh god but now <laughs> n- yet now and, and you're right I think there's, there's, there's we're too nice I mean we go back to that brief appearance I made on your show and one of the first things that I shouted <laughs> was when two Everton players were down injured and I shouted leave yeah. them down and play on yeah. and I, I hate the idea of you know, you don't want to, if someone's really hurt, you don't want them to, 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 to suffer too much. But, you know, putting the ball out for a throw when a guy's probably all right, that drives me mad. That kind of thing, that kind of little bit of cynicism, um, rather than, than, you know, you don't, get any award, you don't get any awards for being really nice. I mean, I'm assuming that Arson either listens to our blog or dispatches Vic Akers to, to listen to this podcast. And I, I do think that they're probably taking notes that they should start playing you in the heart of midfield. It will, <laughs> it will change things. I don't it will change things for the good. I don't have the young. legs. <laughs> let, let, play, play on, ref. That, I mean, you think you've had it bad. I will say we have suffered this season. Chelsea, 2-0 up in the league. Um, and then just somehow managing to, eight minutes into injury time, allowed John Terry to score to tie it up 3-3. Bournemouth, we were hammering them, hammering them. Scored in the final seconds, Everton did, to make it 3-2. And then somehow over-celebrated so that in time added on for our exuberance, Bournemouth, beautiful Bournemouth, beautiful little Bournemouth managed to tie up the game. Stoke, we let in two goals in the final seconds to lose 3-4. And then the West Ham game, to concede three in the last 18. I mean, I'll say, all I'll say is, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Andrew, it doesn't hurt anymore. I'm just so <laughs> numb. I feel like a frostbitten explorer who's hacking off limbs he can't feel anymore. Yeah, there is, there is, but yeah, it becomes weary resignation after a while, doesn't it? It's, yeah. You know, when, when we'd, uh, the, the Spurs game that you spoke about, 1-0 up away from home, playing poorly, but we get a great goal and you're thinking, okay, <laughs> All right, this could be this could be quite good. Maybe maybe Spurs won't like this pressure. And then, of course, we go down to ten men. We concede two goals in two minutes, and you're thinking, oh, this is just the most Arsenal thing of all time. And and the Alexis goal that put the fear in me because then we had something to do. It was it was almost like a surprise this season because things have been going things have been going so poorly. What what do you from from your uh, vantage point somewhere? Um, in the land of neutrality when it comes to Arsenal. What, what do you make of what's happened this season and Arsenal's inability to to perhaps take advantage of what what is a, a brilliant opportunity to have gone and w- win the league this season? Um, first of all, for Arsene Wenger to win the league uh, as he approaches his 20th season, having been derided and mocked. I mean, essentially, they have a concept here in America, uh, the wedgie where uh, kids in locker rooms, their underpants are just hiked up really, 
high mm-hmm. and, and, and often hung by their underpants on a clothing peg in, in the locker room, you know, changing room, you call it. Um, and to have seen him by Jose Mourinho to be so mocked, so derided, see Jose fail and then be just absolutely expelled from the Premier League narrative and then to have Arsene Wenger get his revenge after all of that mockery, after all of that just derision. It's such a beautiful storyline that seemed gifted, gifted um, to Arsenal. And then to see him find ever more creative ways or to see him suffer ever more creative ways, most of them self-inflicted, let's be honest, to just scupper that noble, exquisite uh, storyline. And to see Leicester City, um, just the paragon of... Uh, clubs that defy everybody's argument that everything is economically predetermined in English football. I can't think of anything more excruciating. Talking to you, Andrew, I realise my moaning, my what I thought was noble suffering being an Everton fan. I, I should stay silent in the face of your presence because you are suffering. We are we are Sanyo. We are we are inferior emotionally. We are inferior. We are the Sanyo version of Arsenal. Arsenal are just Apple. We are just a cheap inferior knockoff version your pain must be 10 times mine well look i i try and mask it through humor and uh and alcohol i don't know what your coping <laughs> mechanism is <laughs> but look roger i'm aware that you uh, have got a tv show to do and i really really appreciate your time i hope you're looking forward to this weekend's 4-4 draw with all the goals in the last six minutes as uh, much as i am <laughs> my only prediction is whichever team makes the huge fatal mistake of going 2-0 up will be the will be the one that's sure to lose that's the only thing i know about this weekend's clash but i hope you enjoy every second we hope over here to be able to hear you on the live broadcast on andrew and and thanks for having me on mate my pleasure and i'll try and get behind the mic uh, uh before the end of the season <laughs> would you would <laughs> i'll do you? my best Bye, mate. <laughs> thank you There you go. Thank you very much indeed to Roger Bennett. You can find him at meninblazers.com. The podcast is there. You'll find all your Men in Blazers requirements right there. And Roger's on Twitter as well, at Rog Bennett, at Rog Bennett. That was good chat. I enjoyed that. So what's happening? 12.45 kickoff tomorrow. I don't even know what the team news is. Do we have any team news? I haven't had a chance to look at anything. I should look at something now. Um, Cassiani says, we need to go back to basics. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. We need to go back to the basics. Pass the ball to uh, another Arsenal player. Don't let any goals in and score. That's pretty basic. Those are the kind of basics I think we need to, uh, to go back to. So if we could do that immediately, that would be great. Uh, Mesut Ozil. We have to keep fighting. We must think from game to game. We have to concentrate now and give everything on the pitch, he says. We have to fight. Yes, we have to fight. So I don't think we've got any team news, but there is probably a um, press conference. That's what it is. See, brain's still not working. It's 6.51 a.m. right now. That's... You see... Words they not make come out of mouth good anymore. There will be a press conference this morning. That is what I think I was trying to say, at which we should get some team news uh, from the manager. And you can uh, catch up with all that press conference news at news.arsblog.com, whereby uh, we will do news about Arsenal. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to have to call it a call it a day here. Nothing much is making sense anymore, and I still have to write a blog. So at 6:52 a.m. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this uh, cobbled together arsecast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for listening as always. James and I will be here on Monday with an arsecast extra, looking back at whatever the fuck happens against Everton on uh, tomorrow. On tomorrow. Oh, God. Yeah, we'll do that on Monday. Hopefully my voice will be a bit better. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope Arsenal win. That would be good. It's overdue, aren't we? Come on. Just just win. Basics. Pass to another Arsenal man. Score more goals than them. Simple. Come on, guys. You can do it. I'm sure you can. I'm not that sure. But uh, we'll see nonetheless, whatever happens uh, this weekend. Uh, Until the next one, folks, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.